Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we are going to talk about the 2016 movie Moana. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of an almost five-year-old little boy. Is he? Yeah. Really? Couple oh. like so today I had that revelation. I'm like, I can't I can't call him four and a half anymore. You know, like he's past the, he's like three quarters of the way through four. And we record so far in advance. There's that, a very good yeah. likelihood that by the time this comes out, he will be five. He will actually be five. <laughs> so then I'll be Briar, the mom of an 18-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 2-year-old, which just, that's <laughs> old. Is, is is really what that works out to Briar is old. So Yeah, that just happens. Yeah, it does. I, I, I don't know <laughs> what happened. Time just keeps on it, moving. It just, I really fast like. Really fast like. And my daughter's birthday such a big deal relative to my own milestone birthday. I bet, yeah. So yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. So what you're saying is we're having a hard time letting go of our children? Something like that. Could that be, like, thematically appropriate for this movie? It probably is, yes. <laughs> probably is. It's so, all going to be in there today, folks. <laughs> uh, this is a movie that has, no surprise, a 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. That actually, actually seems kind of low. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, this should be 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> So we've already shown you our cards about how we feel about this movie. We're yeah, but pretty let's big just fans. start at the top. This one's a five for me. It's a five for me, too. It will always be a five mm-hmm. for me. I cry every time I see this movie in a multitude of places. And I... This one was on Netflix for a long time, so I have seen it now yeah. probably hundreds of times, and it Same. still never gets old or stale for me. Same here. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie, uh, and I still, today when I was watching it, I still got choked up. Mm-hmm. And I blame Lin-Manuel Miranda, because he gets me to cry like nobody else gets me to cry. Like, I... My husband... Is the one to get more emotional in movies, as we've talked about multiple times on this mm-hmm. podcast. And I'm like stone faced, like nothing gets me. But Lin Manuel Miranda well. gets me. Like I cried in Mary Poppins. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. I so think I'm I very might be the excited only about that one. Who really likes it? I am a sucker for Lin Manuel Miranda. I. I well, I'm so the 18 year old is uh, fingers crossed. I will have the budget for it, but Ham- Hamilton, yeah, for her. 18th. So the last time, outside of watching The Handmaid's Tale, which is like mom trigger heavy, it's like its own little special torture for parents. Mm-hmm. I don't ever like gasping cry at media (laughs) I don't but the second half of Hamilton I was a mess and the second half of this movie 
I am a mess. Like, I don't know. So the, the through line is uh-huh. Lin-Manuel Miranda. So it's all his fault so, okay. that well, I'm I'll, like I'll a I'll remember mess. that because, yeah, this, this one, they're, they're like done in. Yeah. When I, you know, and if I just catch it out of the corner of my eye, yeah. it's just a sniffler. But if I actually sit and watch this movie through, oh my God. man, it is such a weeper. Yeah. Oh, such a weeper. Yeah, okay. so just as a warning with Hamilton. Okay. Bring tissues the is what you're telling me. of the second act is okay. just... People, I'm not even, I'm not even like, exaggerating when I tell you this, but literally everybody around us was doing the, like, ugly, like, snotty cry. <laughs> like, when we left, my husband was, like, comforting other strangers <laughs> as we were leaving the theater. And so Lin-Manuel Miranda does this. He's on um, Conan O'Brien's podcast. I think it's called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. It's a great podcast. Lin-Manuel Miranda's episode is particularly interesting because they break down Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie in a way that will you will never be able to listen to that song again. So on Conan O'Brien's podcast, they talk about the second half, the second act of Hamilton and how he was just writing it and just sobbing every, every time he would work on it. And so that made me feel better because I'm like, at least he suffered too. At least great suffering, I'm sure. As, yeah. as a writer, I, I get it. It's, yeah, it's tough. So... I'm a big fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda. And, and this was in development concurrently with yes. Hamilton. I mean, I didn't do like super deep research on that because I didn't want this to become the Hamilton podcast. But it, it both this movie came out November 2016 and Hamilton was eligible for all of its Tonys in 2016. Okay. So... So, yeah, they were pretty concurrently developed yeah. then probably for him, too. Yeah. And this is this movie was um, nominated for the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, which it lost to Zootopia. Yeah, we've, um, we've already talked about that in Kubo. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was also nominated for Best Original Song, which it lost to La La Land, which would have been when manuel Miranda's EGOT. And I don't know. I still Uh, don't know. I like La La Land. I'm a musical fan. So, like, I love... Anytime a big production musical is, you know, know. in a theater, I support it out of, like, obligation as a fan of musicals. I feel you on that sense of obligation. I do. I get it. But... (laughs) Like, I will probably pay money to go see Cats, even though I think it's terrifying, because I want people to know that this is what I want you to give me. (laughs) I we'll discuss it. Um, we'll discuss it. <laughs> so I don't know. I still think that this should have won best song. I think so too. Honestly, it's a great song. It's such a great song. There's so many great all the songs, songs in this. In Every this single song great. in this movie gives me chills. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't understand half the words in them, but specifically I, I, the one that should have been nominated it's 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 the i want song yeah. right it's it, right and and hers is just moana's is spectacular well i mean so lynn manuel miranda was directly influenced by the little mermaid in life 
right? Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. talk about I Want song, you mm-hmm. know? Part of your world is... Iconic right. in terms of I Want songs. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll try and move on from the Lynn... <laughs> Love fest. Love fest. Because, I mean, it's not like we, it's not like he needs us individually because, like, everybody loves Lynn manuel Miranda. So, <laughs> we're moving on to more love because we have lots of love that we can exhibit for this film in a variety of places. So, like, if that ain't your thing, go back and <clears throat> happy feet. Go, go listen to Happy Feet. You want to listen to us hate on something? Try try Happy Feet for a good time. For the Love Fest, we are here for the Love Fest. Yes. Oh. So before we get to the cast, I want to talk about the trust. So the Oceanic Story Trust was formed by the filmmakers Ron Clements and John Musker. And these guys did, speaking of, The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet, which is a rare but truly beloved Disney film. Like, if you've not seen it, go find Treasure Planet. It is one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. It's, um, it's... What what's it based off of? Treasure Island. Treasure Island. Thank you. That was those words were just <laughs> not coming to me like the speaky things do. But yeah, Treasure Island and it's ex- except in space. So it's yeah. like perfect. It's absolutely amazing. One of my and favorite it's some movies. of Disney's um, first steps into digital animation. Mm-hmm. So it's got some really beautiful, really um, neat animation. Yeah. yeah, we like it. In our mm-hmm. house. <laughs> so, these guys have been with Disney for a really long time. And they do really respectable animation. And when they were talking about doing this movie, they wanted to find a way to honor Polynesian culture respectfully. So... They created the Oceanic Story Trust, which is a board of advisors. They had a bunch of people advising on the history, the dress, the culture, the religion. They did, I think, just an exceptional job. So we have bitched at this point in time at length about Hollywood taking and whitewashing stories. Kubo was probably the best example, but we've talked about this in other films, mm-hmm. too. So, this is this is when you do it right. This is how you do it right. You take and find... You can tell a story respectfully and with every intent to honor the culture. So, one of the things that they did was to hire strictly Polynesian actors. So I'm going to divide them up kind of by um, where they're from. Region? 
region. Thank you. All the thinky word things are just very difficult for me this evening. So, yes, region. So we'll start with Dwayne Johnson, who is half black and half Samoan. He grew up in um, partially in New Zealand and Hawaii. He's very involved in Samoan culture in outreach. He does a ton of fundraising and stuff. And he is really like a picture perfect Maui. No? I, I mean, think so. could they have done any better? I just, I don't think so. With the exception of, uh, oh God, I'm so terrible at names yeah there's the football player who is actually in this movie he's in the movie his name is troy Troy palomalu Palomalu. Uh, he's got that hair (laughs) yes yes so like visually we have the guy's a football player he's not the rock um what's his name from aquaman Um, oh jason momoa momoa thank you also Polynesian probably could have done it although honestly if we're gonna have if we're gonna go on acting ability and I can't believe I'm about to say this <laughs> but if we're going on acting ability I gotta give this one to the rock like I feel like the rock is personality wise and the persona that he portrays he is Maui like also, it's in the name. He's the Rock, who is playing <laughs> Maui, the mountain. Right. So yeah, we don't. And to an extent, Maui's kind of like a heel in this movie at times. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. Like, you Actually, know, a heel I is a pretty common. Um, if you're not a wrestling fan, that's wrestling. a wrestling term for the bad guy. The bad you have guy. faces, which are the good guys, and <laughs> heels, which are the bad guys, and the Rock was frequently a heel, not right. always, and, but, but frequently. So in wrestling, wrestling like in this movie, faces and heels are shades of gray. There's very few straight faces and very few straight heels. There's all sorts of overlap in the middle, and it's just what your storyline is for you this week, right? So I would say that the the I keep hitting my microphone. I would say that Maui kind of like, you know, toes that in and out line of the heel and the face. So right in Dwayne The Rock Johnson's wheelhouse of acting. Really, I feel like (laughs) right in the middle of his wheelhouse. Although I must say, I continue to be impressed with him as an actor in spite of myself. Like he keeps doing things and I'm like, this is a surprisingly good movie. Jumanji was a surprisingly <laughs> good movie. I could you not believe. You know what was believe. even more surprisingly entertaining than Jumanji? Baywatch. <laughs> it was so funny. I could. I mean, it's like, not a movie that I expect to win no, any accolades or anything like it. that. Oh my god, but I loved it. But to watch it. on a Saturday night after my kid goes to bed where my right? brain is just done for the day and I just want to have a bottle of wine and watch a ridiculously mo- like ridiculous movie and maybe see Zac Efron without a shirt on. That is golden. And <laughs> and really, it was a great movie. It was a, also a surprisingly good movie. Okay, so 
we're we're fans of the rock over here clearly (laughs) all right so he is samoan we also have who else we did have troy palomalu as villager number one so let's move on to I, I think villager number one might have been the one getting tattooed, but I I, I, I could have no be, idea. I, I could be wrong. Okay, so we'll do the let's see the Maori people. We have Rachel House as uh, Moana's grandmother. Her name was Tala. You would know her from the movie Whale Rider. She was the older woman in that movie. She was apparently also in Thor Ragnarok. Was she? This is what Wikipedia is telling me. I she played. I looked at the it. Grandmaster's bodyguard. Oh, the Grandmaster's bodyguard, Topaz. Oh, that's her. There we go. Okay, okay. There we go. We have some quite a few. Because I've never seen Well Rider. <laughs> Marvel connections. Well, there you go. I think all right. it all probably comes from, like, Taiko Atiti. <laughs> probably. Probably. Although, again, how many Polynesians do we have in right. Hollywood to cast? In, I, I mean, they did a good job, so let's, let's be clear on that. Right. Our casting pool was probably limited. Well, hopefully with um, these as examples, the casting pool gets bigger next time. I would hope so. I, 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 you know, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, at length when we get to Mulan, but I feel like the reason that roles have gotten better for Asian characters is because of that travesty of a movie, so there's something to be said for that. So, next up, then, we have Tamura... I looked these up. I'm still butchering them, I'm sure. But it is Timura Morrison as Tui, who is Moana's dad. And you would probably definitely know him as Django Fett. In the prequels, right? In the prequels, okay. yes. Because I think that's the only time you see... Well, obviously, yeah. that's the only time you that's see. That's the only time Django you see. Fett is Boba Fett's dad. Dad, right. <laughs> He is the one that all the clones are based off of. Right. And he dies. His head gets cut off by... I can't believe I'm spacing this out. I've only seen these movies 3,000 times. This movie, in fact, was my first date with my husband. (laughs) But, um... Don't remember. Anyway. Django Django Fett. Fett. (laughs) Um, and then... The, yeah, and then Jemaine Clement as Tamatoa, and this one was actually a surprise to me. I didn't know that he was Maori at all. He's half, his mom was Maori. I had no idea. None, no clue on any of this whatsoever. And all three of them reprised their roles in the Maori version of Moana. The Maori language. Yeah, the Maori language version. That's awesome. Which, yeah, I mean, I love that they did that. Mm -hmm. They also did a Hawaiian language version 
So um, we have, her name is Ali'i Cravalho as Moana. And she did her role in the Hawaiian language version. She was young. She was only 14 when she did this. She was only 14. And this was the the first thing she did Mm because it's introducing. Mm -hmm. That's She's so good. So good. (laughs) So good. Um, We also had Nicole Scherzinger as Sina, her mom. Who I really wanted to brush off because if you don't know who she is. She's from the Pussycat Dolls. Pussycat Dolls. But she does so good in this. And really good in this. She's also Hawaiian. And she also reprised her role in the Hawaiian language version. So, um... And then Oscar Kitely, um, I think a Samoan actor, they got him. He's the fisherman who says, no fish. No fish. There's no fish. No fish anywhere. Um, and then Ali'i's mother is one of the villagers. I, I've decided headcanon-wise, she is the one that comes to Milano with the blighted coconuts. I, I like that as a headcanon. I find that to be perfectly acceptable. So She's doing a good job she, yeah. because she gets to deliver that line. Right. And that's such a motherly thing to mm-hmm. say. You're doing a good job. She gets to say it in the mo- it, it, it feels good to me headcanon-wise So whether or not that's the case, well. we've decided. I don't want to hear otherwise. <laughs> no, we've decided. Um, and then am I missing... Anyone? Oh, well, yeah. Of course. I'm missing Alan. Alan Tudyk. Of course. Our favorite. Now, I find this to be acceptable because Hey Hey is not a speaking character. Right. Right? He makes a lot of noise. And let's be real Hey Hey steals the show (laughs) in a number of places. But he is not a speaking character, so I feel okay with Alan doing this. In, much he does the, play a villager. He does play a villager. He plays the villager who suggests cooking hey hey, which I think is also appropriate oh. because that's <laughs> funny that he suggests cooking his other character. Perhaps we should just cook him? <laughs> okay. Um, we have to not forget to mention that Christopher Jackson is the singing voice of uh, Moana's father. Tui. Tui. And uh, uh, Broadway, if very, you know. He is a really amazing singer. Um, he originated the role of George Washington in Hamilton, and he was also in In the Heights. But he's just got like a very... He's perfect as, like, a chief singing voice, in he, my opinion. I, I liked it. I liked it. But I didn't know that he was George Washington, and he I liked that better. So another interesting thing that we had talked about was that it was both surprising to... It was surprising to both of us that this was being developed concurrently with Hamilton, and that it wasn't that Lin-Manuel Miranda was thrown onto this project after the success of Hamilton, that, um, you know, he already did have some success with In the Heights, but not the notoriety outside of Broadway that he has now. Um, but Taika Waititi was originally the first screenplay on this, and that was also before he had success with 
even this was even before what we do in the shadows unfortunately none of his screenplay ended up making it to the final version he actually jokes that the end of his screenplay was open on ocean <laughs> <clears throat> so then we are up to oh well we're actually in the movie now <laughs> we made it we made it we made it to the movie all right get started so this one opens with the standard castle opening. Um, I originally thought that the lawn in front of the castle had more flowers in it than normal. Like it's actually kind of reminiscent of um, Tefiti. But, right. Right. Uh, so I went back and I watched the opening for this one and the opening for Zootopia way too many times. And there may be more flowers in this one, but I can't be certain that it's like an intentional callback. Oh, to the you movie. can't prove it. In I other can't. words, okay. But it opens with the song. Um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this. Go ahead, Tulu, I give you permission. Tulu Tagaloa, mm. which is one of the soundtrack songs. So mm. it kind of opens. It, you know. Actually, I like how this one and Frozen both open with like traditional songs mm-hmm. like that. It sets mm-hmm. the tone for the movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Zootopia opens with the standard Disney theme mm-hmm. song. Well, I, and this song, it's I love it and it's great and it just it 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 really does suit this movie well, I think. Mm-hmm. And Every song in this movie, it like, it, they all give me chills. Yeah. And, I mean, we kind of touched on this earlier, but even the ones that I don't understand, like, are not in a language that I understand still. I still try to sing along with I... them anyway. <laughs> yeah. They're great. There's something mm-hmm. powerful and compelling about them. And... Yeah, there's just because there's so much care given to the language and how it connects to the story that, yeah. Speaking of, I wanted to mention, before we go too far, that Moana was not Moana in much of Europe. So we'll link to them specifically in the show notes, but she was apparently... Vianna in France and Oceania in Italy. So I think in Italy the name of the movie was Oceana, but she had a different name. I think she was Vianna in Italy okay. as well. But because of some. There's weird a porn star tr- in Italy. <laughs> Is there? And, yeah, there's a that, and they bring it up in some of this where the filmmakers didn't like come right out and say it, but like oh, when, it, see, when people brought it up to them, they said oh. that they were aware of the situation. Oh, so there's she, like I don't know if it's pronounced Moana or Mona or what, but there's like a pretty famous. Porn oh, star in and <laughs> the penny drops! Holy shit, Mona! It's Mona. Yeah. Fuck. Well, yeah. <laughs> they have to call her something right. else. Yeah. So, Viana. So, so, that was well done. Actually, golf claps <laughs> to Disney. Well done. Okay. So, we start then 
with grandma's story, right? Of Tafiti and how she brought life to the ocean using Nah, man, I ain't even gonna try. You wanna give it a go? Punamu? Okay. We'll go with that. A Punamu stone. <laughs> Sorry, it's, guys. It, it's like it's not green... intentional butchery. We just we do it out of love. Really? It's a it's a green stone that apparently has some um, relation to jade. It looks like jade. It's what the heart of Tafiti is made mm-hmm. out of. Which is apparently a real stone. Yeah. When when we when we researched this, we found that most of the icons and cultural references, although the story of Moana is not real. The rest of it, all of the little pieces are. All of the gods and all of the little bits and doodads are. So this stone is used, I guess, in some way as a totem item. And it was, yeah, the heart of Tafiti. And what I can tell you historically, because I found this one and it's so cool. It's really interesting. So, the Polynesians were the first, we think, to sail the world about 5,000 years ago. Approximately 3,000 years ago, they stopped. We don't, not 3,000 years, we don't know why. An oral tradition, which is what we have of this culture, doesn't really tell us a great deal. We know 3,000 years ago, they stopped. We think it might have something to do with changing tidal patterns or possibly the weather. What we know is that they stopped for about a thousand years. So 2,000 years ago or roughly the time of Jesus they started again and this story then takes place at roughly the same time. So like We'll say it because the filmmakers weren't never gonna, but Moana is kind of their Polynesian Jesus story. (laughs) (laughs) She brought them back to the sea. She even parts the water. She does. Although that's not Jesus. That's that's Moses. Moses. But like biblical. But if if you look at some of this then in a biblical light, some of the story takes a slightly different shape, which is fascinating to me. But this, then, is the story that the filmmakers took to Disney as, this is the one we want to tell. What, why they went back to the ocean and started sailing hmm. again. So, I really, I liked that a lot. That is really interesting, because I never even thought to think of this movie in, like, the bigger sense no. of like all of the um polynesian cultures stopped and then they were just going i always just kind of looked at it more as like one stubborn chief <laughs> apparently it was all of them and if if the oceans were bad for some reason which we get hints of with the Kakamura Mm -hmm. and apparently there are other similar tales 
about the water being bad for hmm. a while. I So this one was harder for me to suss out than I wanted it to be because, again, we're talking about cultures that exist largely with oral storytelling and oral legacies so hey if you're out there and you're like an expert on polynesian wayfinders let us know and we'll have you on for next week's mini episode we'd love 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 to hear more about this like uh, this one is just fascinating to me so okay i'll 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 get back to the movie now (laughs) maui stole the heart and he gets into a fight with Taka and he loses his hook and he's blasted into the sky and then we see little baby Moana <laughs> who loves this story like a thousand years later by a the way. thousand years later who loves this story while all of the other kids are crying. Like, just the way that she hears it, Mm -hmm. the whole sequence with her and drawing the pictures of the water, like, that's just, I love it. I love it. So she goes out to the beach and saves the baby turtle, who, I looked it up, no one explicitly said yes, that's crash, but I, I I'm sure that we can crush from finding Nemo. Crush. Yeah. Crush. Thank I you. I mean, turtles like that live for a really long time, really right? Really long time. He's 300 <laughs> years young, dude. I think that's right. Or if not Crush, then maybe like an ancestor of Crush because he looks just like him. But that, yeah, would be an ancestor because in the Disney conspiracy timeline, (laughs) that movie actually is, I believe, dated. So that doesn't work out. But sorry, sorry. But I did. Anyway, I looked for you. Cute turtles. It's a cute turtle. (laughs) And I, but. I think we're led to believe that because she saves the turtle from the mean, nasty bird, that the ocean decides she's worthy. She's worthy. Mm-hmm. And so we get to oh, the song, which is a good song. It's, uh, we can't say the name of the movie without thinking of the song. No. It's the only one you need. It's this make one way, song. Make way. Yeah, we only need this one song. We only need this one song. It's so, all you need. Like, it's all you need. This one song. It's a great song um, as an I want song. It really it is. It's, you know, there's the two sides of it with like all the villagers saying specifically, we only need one song. What more could you want? We have this song and it's a great song and we love coconuts. And they're everything. All the coconuts. Yeah. Okay. But she has that draw. And then, so we get Moana's song after all of the boat stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And hers is great and powerful. And I do, we should specifically acknowledge here, because I feel like it's the best showing when she's running across the beach and you get to see her thick, sturdy legs, mm-hmm. right? It's the best place where we get to see Disney trying to do a body-positive princess. Right. 
and like she's got without Lips? being without being like caricature right so like she looks like a real body sure mm-hmm. she still has like the disney princess giant eyes and like whatever but i think the difference between a body type like moana versus anna or elsa is worlds away and much more positive for a little girl to see and you can kind of see the difference in the princess scene in ralph too yeah ralph wrecks the internet yeah where they're all hanging out together she's actually a little thicker and Mm -hmm. sturdier than the rest of them Okay, so we've got her I Want song, and then she crashes the boat, and we get... Trying to save Pua, which I just wish there had been more Pua in this movie. I am a little sad that we didn't get more Pua, although he would not have been a great water companion, I don't think. There's all sorts of swimming pigs on islands. What are you talking about? Okay. It's like a thing. Didn't you see the fire festival uh, documentary? Oh, we're going to bring up the fire festival? The fire festival? Okay, let's see. So then we have the boat song, which I think, honestly, is one of my favorite. We're going to say this about every song, but we I We know think- the way when she finds out that they were voyagers. Yeah. That whole scene where I her grandmother it. takes her into the cave and tells yeah. her to play the drum, and mm-hmm. it's just it's epic, and I get chills, and it's such a great song, and then there's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... And, and the dancers on the boats, I don't know. It's There's just, just some, so... It's, it's so great. It's so it's, great. I guess the the best thing I can think of is it's epic. It's a very epic scene. Like, I... And it's funny to say this about a, an animated film, but it's stunning. Like, that whole sequence is just amazing and gives me chills. All the songs give me chills. I've already told you that. But this one, so this one is the history. and, and And it's why, for me, I think it's so significant. Because this is where you really get to see... The Polynesian culture mm-hmm. as the seafarers right. that they were, what that looked like, mm-hmm. and, and, and what it meant to them. And I think they did such a deliberately courteous job with it, right? And then the callback to it at the end. Yeah, yeah. And that makes that part where it's more Like I'm getting emotional just talking about it, but it was I know. so good good yeah so good i i just the original scene and then the bookend of it at the end just go together and it's moana now and like so you feel emotional you feel you know chills when you see it the first time but then now you've got like an association with that character and it's like Mm -hmm. it's just right there like history and then it ends with the epic I also like when he comes back later as the the ghost version of himself. Right. That's that's well done there as well. Um okay. So 
we get the boat song and then we have Moana bursting into the town hall going. Because she knows how to save the, the we know community. How to, yeah, we can go back to the sea. Yeah, that doesn't go over well. So her dad is going to burn the boats up until Grandma has a heart attack, right? Right. Are we going to say it's a heart attack? It's something. It's it's a heart attack. Elderly problems. <laughs> okay. I, I feel like she just walked up the mountain. Yeah, but she, she had, had to had walk up that mountain every day of her life. Okay, fine. Probably not that part of the mountain, though. Okay. Uh, to to that particular cave where the boats were. Oh, that, okay. Um, that That's... That's what did it. That's that, what did that, her in. That's what did her in. And Moana has her reprise as we gather oh, all the my things. Gosh. When she's packing her bags and then she looks up and her mom is her there. Her mom is there. Oh my god. That was when I started like snotty crying. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Because just to think about like sending your child out in that kind of a situation. Like well, she and has, and then she hands her the stuffed animal. It's a little bunny I think. And she knows she's going, and she's and she okay with maybe her not going. Coming and, back. Yeah, may not be, could well not be coming back because the seas are dangerous, and there's a good and chance. Like, they haven't had wayfarers in their tribe, or you know, whatever, in, in a thousand years. Right. So nobody knows really what they're doing. Nobody knows how to fish beyond the the reef. No. So it's a <sighs> it's a thing. It's a thing. And then when she's going out and her grandmother's spirit ray, like, helps her Uh over the reef. Oh, my God, guys. Oh, my God. My grandma actually died in August of 2016. So this movie came out in November. So I was, like, raw with emotion at this point when the movie came out, especially about grandmas. Um, But I just... That whole sequence just gets me every time. (laughs) So then we see Moana. She's going to try and get there by herself. That's. Mm -hmm. And we get the hey, hey, screaming scene, which (laughs) I have to admit is probably one of the funnier sequences in the film. The coconut and the, yeah, man, he's so good. He's just so good. I as... think there's like an interview with him where he talks about when like Disney asks you to do the voice of a chicken, you do it. You do it <laughs> because. And duh. he also talks about how I think he like went to Juilliard. Yeah. I... <laughs> So he talks about, like, he went to Juilliard and now he's the voice of a chicken. I feel like that's totally appropriate, honestly. So he screams, and then we have Moana getting, falling asleep and getting shipwrecked. That's basically the sequence there. She's asking the sea for help, and then she gets shipwrecked. And in the end, the sea helped her. So, I like that little scene with her getting angry at the water. Getting angry at the water, getting into a fight with the water. That was well done. 
apparently they tested her throwing coconuts at the water and that didn't go over well so they deleted <laughs> the coconut okay. throwing i don't know they thought that was too bratty i <laughs> like why that was too bratty and not I, who, whatever oops. test audiences you're crazy so when she makes it to Maui and he sings, you're welcome, I think it's relevant that we bring up The Rock does not have a great singing voice, right? No, he's not but known he's for singing. spoke he does sang it really well. good. He sing talks this song really well, mm-hmm. which is another argument for why couldn't the Lion King live action, or rather the 2019 version of Lion King, have had better, better sing talking and in particular be prepared there's no excuse for it like oh. this is a really great song this is gonna be an axe that this show has <laughs> to grind for quite some time yes. i have a feeling that that's just gonna be we're gonna be picking on the lion king at every possible opportunity <laughs> for many many episodes to come maybe so. not like happy feet levels <laughs> Maybe not, but close. Okay, but we get Maui sticks her in a cave. Which, what did he think was going to happen to her in this cave? She was going to die. Well, so I actually feel like they did this fairly well at illustrating, I I don't know, his relative healness here. Yeah. Because the younger audiences don't catch it. Right. But certainly my older ones have gone, she's stuck in there. Right. If she hadn't broken the nose and her statue climbed right. her way up, right? She'd have what died. What would happened to Moana? She'd have died. She would have been the skeletons they found on the island and lost. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting place for Disney to show some realism. They right. do. A, a, they're getting better, right? They sure. They struggle with this one still, but this one was fairly well done. Enough that older audiences, I think, will pick that little bit up. And then she breaks out and dives into the water. And we have that whole, conf- the whole water zooming her around right. with Not the stone. Up. Yeah, it, that's a pretty happy sequence there. And then we get the kakamoras, the coconuts... <laughs> Like straight out of Mad Max. Adorable. It is apparently very much homage to Mad Max. Which makes sense because that's like an Australian film. Yeah. Yeah. So somewhat regionally relevant. Yeah. Okay. So. Where are we? Fishhook. Fishhook, Lalotai, Tamatoa. Who, initially, I just kind of thought this was a sort of reprise of Nigel the Bird. But apparently, now knowing that... It's straight up Bowie. Yeah, it's Bowie. And I'm like, 
Well, Tomatoa even yeah. has two different colored eyes. Yeah. I, it's got a name. I don't know what it is, but David Bowie also had two different colored eyes. Um, Heterochromatism, <laughs> I think. Something I don't know. Like I've had I've had too much amaretto. Like, <laughs> it's Tuesday. This is literally the night that I get to kick my children upstairs and drink <laughs> alcoholic beverages and have my husband bring home pizza. This is... This the is how we best socialize, guys. Ever <laughs> the best night ever. My favorite night of the week. I okay. know. So uh, my husband and I saw this in the theaters on a date night. My son would have been almost two, so he was young. So he didn't come with us. So it was a date night, and I remember going into this movie pretty blind because, like, at that point in my life, I didn't have time to know anything about anything except what was happening directly in front of me at two Um, right (laughs) i was in the shit um and i can remember looking at my husband and being like this is david bowie right this is jermaine clement doing his very famous david bowie impersonation because he has whole like skits in flight of the concords where he is bowie so this is like I've never watched. Oh, it's hilarious! This is like a thing he does, and I it's love fabulous. that they fit it in here. I love it. It's, <laughs> it's great. Totally appropriate. It's perfect. And I like. Did you like the song? When I love he's the song. On his back. Did you like the song? I, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great. But I also like the glowy. Right, how they do the glow in the dark crab after yeah. the light changes. They did that well. Slightly as... terrifying, I think, Slightly. for little kids. But cl- it's not enough of like a scene where well, you know, it's over. Well, because he's still singing, so right. it's fine, and it's all yeah, it's fine. And then we have do 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 do. Oh right. So the long boat stretch to the island, right? And we get Maui's sad backstory, where he was abandoned by his parents. And rescued by the gods. So that's a good gig. I don't know. I I have a hard time, honestly, feeling that badly for Maui, I'll be honest. It's, because he's it's, a demigod? Among other things, Yeah. <laughs> So I feel like we haven't actually mentioned the complaints about Maui's appearance yet, have we? No. No, okay. So there were quite a few. Like, there's a lot you can complain about with this movie, apparently. So the best we get is that we didn't like Maui because he's fat. I don't think he's fat, though. Like I, I don't think he's fat either. I don't, there's a name for it, I'm sure. I can't, I don't know what it is, but he's like. Husky? He's like an in shape big guy, right? Like he's a, a linebacker. Yeah, husky. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I live in Nebraska, so. Right, yeah. With the huskers, so I could, <laughs> husky, but, but husky. And like, all of this, though, is, is still, it's relevant because he's a fucking mountain. Right. It, it doesn't, I mean, 
You could complain about his physical appearance, I guess, if you wanted, if he wasn't playing Maui the Mountain. So I really, really feel like this is a stretch here. But as usual, I just line them up for y'all. And (laughs) that's it. That's it. Okay. So we get his backstory. Have we talked about... Little Maui yet? Mini Maui. Mini Maui. Okay, I don't think we've talked about Mini Maui. You lo- you fact-checked Mini Maui, so you tell us about Mini he Maui. He is traditionally animated. He is not computer animation in this movie. So how did they do that? Do you I have any idea? I don't know. I don't know. I want to know more. I, I will know look more into it more for the mini episode, because I think okay. that's really interesting. How would they integrate traditional animation? I mean, I'm sure there's a way, but yeah, that's just fascinating to me. So I love the whole montage of Maui teaching Moana how to sail and with the looking at the stars and feeling the current. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, it's a good callback to when he's like passed out in the boat and he tells her to feel for the warm. And peas peas in the water. Because let me tell you, the eight-year-old boy caught that one right away. (laughs) That one and the um, poison dart in my butt cheek. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. In my butt cheek. Yeah. All right. So we go to the island, I guess, and Maui finally, finally pays Moana a compliment. Like... I'm not going to complain too much about him as a misogynistic asshole, but he is certainly got his moments. No? I think for me, so maybe I'm completely wrong in feeling this way, but because it's never presented as like a romantic situation, um... It makes it it's more fine. of like a sometimes no, it's like a sometimes you have to deal with assholes situation, right? Oh, uh, okay. You know what okay. I mean? Like she's not choosing to become romantically involved with this guy, and it's not that kind of relationship. Well, and let's be honest, I do deeply appreciate that, that that's there not is... even brought up. No, the, the, there's this nothing is a about totally it. always, always, always platonic relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and not it, only is this this a platonic relationship, there is no talk of her getting married. Nope. That is not even brought up as her it's future. It's never her on future the table is, or in the cards. She is going to lead this group. She is going to be the leader, regardless of her marital status. Right. And, in fact, her only potential suitor, as far as we know, is that that one (laughs) 10-year-old boy, right? (laughs) But I just, like, I really appreciate that. And I think that that, for me, makes the whole, um, the fact that Maui is, like, a a dick Mm -hmm. less of, like, a thing. Because okay. he's not like a romantic foil to her. And sometimes no. you do have to deal with assholes, right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> you do. There's a lot of them in the world. Oh, so many of them. <laughs> Everywhere. In parking lots. <laughs> Online. So they go to the island. And 
we have the big first battle, right? And Maui's hook breaks, and it's all bad and epic and blah, blah, blah. But we do get a good song out of it, because I do quite well, like... you know, so Maui gives up, basically, because yeah. he's afraid yeah. for his hook to break. And Moana gives up, too. Yeah. Right? She, she, she throws the stone into the she water. She tells the ocean to take the stone back and find somebody better. Um, but that's when she sees her grandma's ray spirit again. And then mm-hmm. her grandma. Mm-hmm. And that's when we get I Am Moana, which is a great song. It gives me chills. Theme of the movie. The oh, songs yeah. give me chills and are great. <laughs> So, yeah, we have great stuff. Sorry. Sorry we're predictable, yeah. guys. And, and possibly I like... need a bigger vocabulary, but... <laughs> I like how I Am Moana pairs with, you know, or know who you are. The song that she sings to Taka to remind her that she is Tafiti. You know, like, I, I like, they kind of, like, they go really well together. They do. Because Moana needed to figure out who she was, I think. If they had gone into that fight the first time in the same manner that they do the second time, would she have known in her heart that that was what was happening? Because she hadn't had that moment. (laughs) And it's very... Okay, so it's all very sacred feminine to me, right? This is why I cut them slack with Maui, because they really nail this goddess-patron relationship okay. in a way that Hollywood mostly screws up, but it's a mother-daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. So she had to find that in herself, mm-hmm. right, before she could recognize that her great mother was missing, but right there. Okay. So, yeah, that's all That's all there and lovely. And then she parts the waves. And, and that song, yeah. Know Who You Are, is, that's, that is another one where I cry. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's, from, it's, it's definitely a crier. It's, from it's when Grandma reappears yeah. and, you know, she gets to hug time. her. It's at least a three, four tissue affair for me <laughs> if I'm sitting there and watching the damn thing. So um, we had bought my son the little golden book version of this story. Like oh, before okay. the movie, they yeah. come out before the movies right, come out, right? Right, they do. And it totally spoils the movie. Well, of course it does. <laughs> But you don't expect there to be, like, a true spoiler in a Disney movie, right? Oh. (laughs) Well, okay. Okay. I guess that's fair. So you spoiled the movie. I'm sorry. For my two-year-old? I think by the time he watched it, it was okay. He didn't know. (laughs) I'm not talking about him. Oh, no, I spoiled it for me. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, it totally was spoiled for me. Sorry. By the little golden book. (laughs) Sorry. You'll know next time. I guess so. You do now, I'm sure. Haven't bought any of those since, have you? (laughs) Got blocks about it. (laughs) So then we have the return of the magic fish hook. Like, and I do think that's a lovely little moment when Maui apologizes and she's like, 
the look on Tafiti's mm-hmm. face is just, I should smite you. Right. But I've already forgiven you, so just I've spent go enough away. time being angry and burning. You're right. not worth it anymore. Like, Here you I'm go. just going to take a nap now. <laughs> I miss my bed. <laughs> the the eternal suffering of women. Just leave me alone. Take your hook and go. <laughs> and so he, Moana says you should come back with us. And he's because we need a wayfinder. And he says you already have one. Which is I think probably the first real sincere comment Mm -hmm. from him, right? But that, too, makes me weepy. Mm Mm-hmm. And then as she goes back, everything, like, clears up and Yeah, she brings the flowers back with her. Because, well, so her her boat was destroyed. I think there's a little magic in that boat, Well, it's all covered in flowers. Right. There's tendrils of flowers holding it together. (laughs) Tafiti built the boat. It's a magic boat. Right. She gave... Maui a hook, but I'm sure if we got Moana sequels, has there been direct-to-video Moana sequels? Well, I kind of think they stopped doing that. Thank the gods <laughs> for that, then. Well, Holy because I think shit. with like, movies like Moana and Tangled, they see too much of like a potential box office draw in right. sequels, if they are going to do them, instead of just dumping them on direct-to-video. Well... And I'm fine with this because the DTVs are nightmares in terms mm-hmm. of story. We've talked about this before, right. I think. They're just, they're bad movies and they don't care about the stories and right. so they suck. But I bet that if there was one for Moana, that would boat be would be boat. magic. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel as though that boat would be magic. That's, and that, that was the whole. More. See, there you go. <laughs> but that's that's what we miss. We don't get second movies with Pua. Sorry. So as she's coming back to the island and everything is blooming, the first flower that blooms is the flower from Tangled. Oh, well, that's a lovely little Easter egg. Nice pick. Nice grab there. (laughs) And then we get that call back to the original Wayfinder scene where Mm -hmm. her... Where her village is now going out to the ocean, and she is the leader, and she's wearing the necklace and like the, the headpiece, headpiece, and, yeah. and yeah, All right. great, it's great. And then more Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we had talked about that we both thought that this movie was a five. And if you can remember, one of the big issues that I had with Frozen was that, like, the last quarter of the movie was completely song-free, right? And that's not the case in this one. We get songs all the way through, which I need in a movie like this. So, my husband has a scale as well, but I think it's kind of the opposite of yours. There needs to be fewer songs to actual movie ratio. Still, this movie manages to fit all of the notes for him. (laughs) So, like... Something for everyone. (laughs) Right? I think it grew on him, honestly, because he used to really not like, like the intro song, and then he realized that 
that's his song and so now it's like okay it's fine it's fine it's, it's fine it's fine why because he's the dad that doesn't want anything to change he is the father of a teenage daughter i yeah. i have not actually asked him specifically how he views this movie but i suspect as the father of a teenage daughter this movie has probably some significance for sure. him yeah. like in the way that brave very much had a lot of relevance for me as the mother of a teenage daughter i suspect this movie also hits quite a lot of those letting go of the daughter mm-hmm. notes for dads that, that yeah yeah because he always blubbers like a baby, too, every time we watch. And he is not a crier. He is like you in that way. Yeah. But no, this one, this one gets him. So, okay. We have age. Any age at any time? Like, like, it doesn't have any real scary parts. And like you said, that like I would guess the scariest parts are... Um, Taka and Tomatoa, but neither really seems to bother my son and didn't seem to bother my son when he no. was younger either. All right, Halloween costumes. This you, one's a little stickier. You can't wear the Maui costume. That was already a big hullabaloo because it was like a bodysuit with the tattoos and stuff on it, and that became like an issue. Mm-hmm. That was an issue. So. Um, I think we'll try and find a link for that and put it in the show notes. Similarly, um, Ali'i did come out and say she thought that it was appropriate for any girl to wear the Moana costume. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like... It's such a tough... It's it's, so This one's hard, guys. I, I... I, I can't make any recommendations on this one. It's because, not my yeah. culture. It's not my heritage. Right. I can't say. I don't want to say anything in that regard. And I feel like it's, as a whole, it's a very sticky subject that has not been worked out yet. And I think that there will be some sort of conclusion to this where we get, you know the best approach for this situation but we're not there yet we're in the thick of it right yet we're not there yet and until we're there what i would say is that in almost every situation there's a princess for you already right right yeah that you don't have to be moana because there's ariel right So we had kind of talked about this to an extent with Frozen and that my son was like obsessed with um, Elsa and Mm -hmm. didn't want anything to do with Olaf. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a situation where you just, if that's what your kid is like focusing on, you introduce more things. You know, like if your kid is obsessed with being Moana, try to introduce more strong female characters to that kid you know all of the other princesses right. if you want or the good ones if you i mean because there's some good ones and there's some bad ones right. but introduce the ones that you feel are appropriate 
but I do question at a certain age. Like, if the child is four and five, this is a difficult one to explain. And it's tough to say to a five-year-old, no, you can't be that. Bren says, because it's cultural appropriation. Right, and I think especially because you try to teach your kid that let's not look at people for what they look like. You know, let's not let's not assign what this person is because of their looks. They are your friend and they are Sue, you know? Mm-hmm. But then when you come and you say, but now you can't dress as Moana because of what she looks like versus what you look like. It's, and it's, it's such, it's such a such rat's a nest. Like there's it. just no, and explaining that to like a five-year-old versus That's like an tough. eight, nine, ten-year-old is a very different mm-hmm thing to like go at and that's why when even I mean I know it's not the same but when my son was a big fan of Elsa you it's hard to have that conversation with him because I don't want to say no you can't do this because this is a girl and you're a boy but it you know it's it's all of it is very tough territory to tread with a child Mm -hmm. and I feel like where we are right now culturally it's such, like, a, all of it is such a sensitive subject, but I don't know the best way to approach any of it. What I do know is that I try not to unduly burden my children with that social weight where right. I can avoid it. Right. And in this case, if I could avoid it, yeah, friend, I certainly would. Like, I think maybe one of the first interactions you and I ever had online was my son wanted to be the characters from Coco for Halloween. And he uh-huh. wanted mom and dad to dress up like the characters from Coco. Uh-huh. And I approached the group and I'm sure, I think you were one of the people that responded and said, no, that's not really appropriate. No, and so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go to my son and say, hey, look, this is inappropriate. I kind of just like dialed it all back and didn't bring it up again because I didn't want to have that conversation with him. And that is the benefit of him being four or three at the time like right. you know his memory is like yo yeah and if you enthusiastically suggest something else right. at that age you can get away right. with right a different suggestion it gets harder the little older they get but yeah at that age you can enthusiastically suggest let's be this instead okay right right so and i mean i uh I'm sure there's times when we say things on here that aren't necessarily appropriate. And I don't want anybody to ever take that like in an offensive way. It's really just a marker of us not knowing any right. differently and trying to know what we can know. But, you know, I'm a white middle class lady. My sphere of what influences me is very limited as much as I try to reach out and make that less of the case. I'm vaguely Latina and pass for white nine months of the year. And let me tell you, that's an interesting, I'm in my brown season. It's been, (laughs) it's kind of been a rough year. Let me tell you, it's kind of been a rough year. Uh, You know, and it's tough because there, I have at some points in my life deliberately not gone outside in the summer months 
so as to not get a tan and I yeah I, I kind of have gotten over that but it's been it's been an interesting time to be a person of color in the United States of America and I am not a person of color most of the time right so I can only imagine what that must be like right. all of the time. Mm -hmm. And I have a great deal of compassion for what's going on socially in this regard. And it's something I try very hard to be sensitive to. Right. And use my mostly white voice to amplify as mm -hmm. much as possible because I have this platform here. We have this little podcast here where we can talk about these things that don't frequently get mentioned in movie podcasts. So. Right, right. At least we don't feel like they're getting appropriately addressed in movie podcast, and that is why we're here. All right, so if you have complaints like this one, you probably could have complaints and we'll happily address them next week in the mini-sode. If you complain, please do complain, frankly. Like, just let us know you're alive at this point. <laughs> we know you're out there. The metrics tell us so. Um, that's Latchkey Movies at Instagram and Twitter if you kind of want to go there and Facebook if you kind of want to go there. We should be deliberate about those things, but we're just, we're not. You can call us. It's 402-885-4875. And I had decided this week that rather than begging you for an iTunes review, which seems frankly futile to me <laughs> for yet another week, I have a new one. I have a new one. Tell a friend. Go find someone that you know that listens to podcasts and tell them about us because really we could be so much joy in their lives no <laughs> i also i have a challenge for you oh oh not oh. you briar but for the listeners oh of course not me if you call in at 402-885-4875 and do maui's rap from you're welcome and let us air it then i will also do maui's rap from you're welcome in next week's minisode i feel like somebody really needs to rise to this <laughs> Bye. Bye.